Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Are you curious what does it take to actually build a profitable and environmentally conscious company? Well, on today's podcast, I have John Hale. He is a PhD CFA director of the ESG Strategy. Uh, primarily known as Sustainable uh, Social Governance for Investment. John Hale focuses on ESG uh, thought leadership and product strategy for Morningstar. Prior to 2021, John was the Morningstar's head of sustainable investing research, and he directed the company's research initiatives on sustainable investing, beginning with the launch of Morningstar's sustainability rating for funds in 2016. In 2018, John Hale was named Barron's list of the 20 most influential people in the ESG investing, and in 2019, he was included in the investment news, uh, 10 leaders of ESG impact investing. Without any delay, I'd like to welcome John. Hey, welcome, John. Hey, nice to be here. Yeah. Uh, excited to, to wrap with you. Um, I know, you know, a lot of things that we're trying to do in this day and age is to try to find a balance um, mm -hmm. between, you know, the environment and our perpetual side for growth and business and economy. Um, and I think this is something that's kind of the need of the times right now. And um, I'm really excited to kind of talk to you and just really find out a little bit about your journey that got you into this whole area of, you know, sustainable impact investing. Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, been a bit of a long, strange trip for me, I guess. It, it's, it started out when I first uh, left uh, academia uh, for uh, Morningstar uh, in the 1990s, actually. And what we called at that time socially responsible investing was kind of a niche activity. Uh, a, you know, not everybody uh, was... Uh, that clued into it or even uh, wanted to certainly even wanted to practice it. But it, it was appealing to me because even at that early date, there was uh, it, it, it was really about investors saying, you know, um, it's not enough for us to just invest uh, uh for the sake of you know sort of maximizing our our profit or, or at, uh, getting everything we can you know get for uh, for our uh, investment accounts as mm -hmm. investors but we're also concerned about you know things like how our investments affect uh, the people and planet and um so at the time it was a small opera it was sort of a small thing socially responsible investing partly because data and other you know, the information wasn't there to fully evaluate investments based on what today we call esg criteria often environmental stands for environmental social and, and corporate governance criteria um, so at that time, it was mainly about excluding certain things that maybe you just didn't want to make money from in your portfolio. A lot of times, uh, things like tobacco or heavily polluting industries were were avoided in those um, in those kinds of portfolios. So anyway, I kind of took it upon myself to to you know uh, learn about this uh, area of investing. Became uh, the 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 go to guy, I guess you would say, at Morningstar about all this partly because no one else was all that interested in it. And, um, you know, fast forward to uh, 2006, 2008, you know, we have the financial crisis and we have just what I think is a, a growing concern among not only investors, but people in general about 
um, sustainability issues, right? And so we started call, you know, using that term sustainability to describe this, this way of investing. It evolved over time because in 2006, the UN um, convened um, a, 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 a group of asset managers and wealth managers from around the globe um, to talk to them about how they could start um, impacting um, sustainable development and start to um, uh, sort of change the course of global capitalism away from this kind of idea that everything's only about uh, narrow short-term profit for shareholders and uh, uh, instead, you know, saying maybe we can, we can create uh, appropriate uh, returns for our shareholders, but at the same time, we can help address um, sustainability issues um, around the world. And so out of that um, convening sort of came the phrase ESG that you hear a lot uh, used about today. And it really referred to a set of um, issues that um, environmental issues, social issues, corporate governance issues that investors really should be paying attention to. Um, but prior to a, around that time, they really didn't have um, very much data or information to do it. But by 2006, it existed. In fact, we have a company at Morningstar that we own now called, uh, that we acquired recently called Sustainalytics. And Sustainalytics is involved in, um, you know, collecting ESG data on public companies uh, so that investors can use that data to better assess the overall investment thesis of any company. And so a lot of it is about um, better understanding risk rather than just focusing on financial issues. We're now able to use ESG um, uh, information to get a more holistic picture of everything a company is doing from the way it's managing its environmental risks and impacts to the way it, it, um, the way it handles its workforce and, and the kinds of, you know, human resources and benefits that, that the fund offer or the company offers, um, to its oversight of its supply chain, labor in its supply chain and how, uh, and, and the environmental impact of its supply chain, things like that are now part and parcel of a full investment analysis. And the thought in 2006 was that if we could get asset managers and investors to focus on ESG issues alongside all the finan other financial issues and considerations that they use when they make an investment, then the overall impact of that would be that public companies would pay more attention to these ESG issues and, and you know, capitalism would sort of evolve to something uh, that that uh, was was more uh, concerned about its impact on people and planet than it was uh, before that. Mm. That's awesome. And it's interesting to see because you're talking about there was this wave back in the day where you said nobody cared. You're one of the first people that actually care about getting into this space and saying, OK, th these are some of the areas that matter. Right. And you said it, and if you use that word like, oh, these investors should care about this stuff, but they yeah. have a tendency to prioritize profits over environmental or social impact. Right. But as as an ESG, which is an environmental social criteria. Right. What are the couple you, you, you kind of rattle off a couple of them. But in terms of like, what is it kind of broad stroking 
what are the criteria that you're looking for to say, okay, this ticks the bucket of, of something that they could beyond just, oh, this is a highly profitable business. If I put a dollar in, $10 come out. That makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense from an investment perspective. And so that's that. But in terms of the environmental, so social sustainability side of things, what are the criteria that people are, that, are, that investors are looking for or they should be looking for? Yeah, well, it, it's a it's a much more complex question than <laughs> you might think. But, um, uh, you know, I'll try to kind of break it down here. Sure. It, for, uh, first of all, um, think about ESG issues as a set of, of issues that any public company might face that could be either are already or could become financially material for that company. So it does relate back to the profitability um, of a company because what we were finding, what, what, what sort of was happening prior to the, you know, existence of, uh, so much ESG information was that you just didn't really know what, like, uh, what, what's a company doing environmentally? What, what kind of impacts is a company and an industry having uh, on the environment and, you know, now climate? Um, there's no way to really assess that, to compare, contrast companies, to uh, compare and contrast industries, to look at what are the material ESG issues industry by industry. So um, it varies by industry. Um, in some industries, heavier, you know, more in the like industrial sector and the basic materials sector and the the um, the you know energy sector, utilities, uh, obviously environmental uh, issues, climate uh, related in, emissions, uh, carbon emissions, things like that are key material issues as well as other environmental issues and and um, supply chain. But it varies uh, industry by industry. So mm -hmm. you can look at that. There's there's um, issues like you know what industries uh, are heavy users of natural resources. Mm -hmm. That's you know um, what industries uh, are very dependent on their supply chain uh, and in particular the kinds of practices that the, the you know the that are um, extant in their in their supply chain. Um, uh, this could have a you know major impact. It also could become a major liability if you know some plant in uh, a, a developing country that's a major supplier of a company you know mm -hmm. like a Walmart or or a, a you know a major uh, uh, you know clothing retailer or something like that is is hiring and using child labor or there's terrible work conditions and there's a fire or a tragedy. These kinds of things can impact a company's bottom line uh, kind of out of the blue before we had ESG information to, to better assess those risks. So it's all very, it, it all starts out very practical uh, as a very practical thing for investors, professional investors, the kind of investors that we sort of hire our asset managers to run our money, to invest our money for us are mm -hmm. using ESG to better understand risk and in some cases opportunities that might be out there that that they just didn't really have much insight into uh before all this esg information was available and the thought was again you know going back to the un in in 2006 in this convening the thought was that well you know we're 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 encouraging companies to address these kinds of issues that will have positive broader impact mm -hmm. because we're we're showing them how it can affect the the 
uh, risk of those companies, how what kinds of risk it could pose mm -hmm. to their profits and to their investors and to asset managers. That convening was saying you need to pay attention to these issues, not just the standard financial ones, because you know it's not fiduciarily, it's not it's not part of your fiduciary responsibility if you're ignoring. Um, the potential ESG risks of investments. So that's that whole side of it. And that's a part of it that I think all investors should, you know, understand that that ESG investing is providing a more holistic uh, view for your investments um, and, and helping you take into account um, ESG risks and opportunities that companies have, although to play kind of to the bottom line, right? You, you want to, you know, it's better to, uh, and more profitable if you're, if you're able to deal with these material ESG risks. Um, mm -hmm. But in addition to that, what we're seeing, and it's kind of developed more recently, and I think it, it goes, it's, there's a couple of reasons for it that we can get into, but that there's also this component of sustainable investing where, um, you want to focus more on broader impact. So how, when, when now when we're assessing companies, it's not just on ESG and how um, ESG might help us understand risks and opportunities for a company's ability to make profits and deliver returns to investors, but also what is the broader um, societal and you know, planetary and climate impact uh, that a company has. And can we as investors help um, them uh, mitigate those, that impact? And, and even beyond that, how can investors um, direct capital to companies that, uh, that are creating climate solutions and, and, so, and, and products and services that are going to help um, lead us into a more uh, sustainable economy? Yeah. So when you're talking about that, you, you, you've mentioned the UN here a couple of times and, and you're talking about like, so like they have, the UN has say sustainable goals, right? So clean yep. water, the climate, you know, education for everybody, right? Are yep. you, I mean, are you primarily looking at some of their, their sustainable goals? Is it 19 sustainable goals? I believe it, it is. It, um, is 17, 17? <laughs> don't know how they came up with seven, you know, I'm just going to imagine the, the, the negotiations over the sustainable development goals. Now we must have, you know, I, I thought of another one. Now we're up to 17, but, but one yes. One. So, so, um, more recently, uh, yeah. the, the UN has, uh, uh adopted a, a set of 17 sustainable development goals. We call those SDGs for short. So you've mm -hmm. got ESG and SDGs. Um, and there they were not um, conceived necessarily to be um, a framework for investors to use, but more broadly, uh, mm -hmm. you know, kind of an agenda for governments and NGOs and sort of for, for the world as a whole to kind of think of here are the areas that we need to, you know, work on and improve on in order to um, bring about sustainable development in the world by uh, by 2030. Mm -hmm. um, investors, impact investors have started using though the SDGs as a framework for evaluating the uh, impact of their investments. And, and uh, I think it's really interesting because a lot of uh, public companies are taking that cue from investors and, and themselves are thinking more than ever they have in the past about, you know, what is, what is the impact of our company, not only our products and services, but 
the the man the, you know our management policies our environmental impacts i mean so many of these public companies are huge entities that you know that that operate in dozens and dozens of locations and and employ you know hundreds of thousands of people so it's both of those uh, elements and so the sdgs are ways to to um uh you know help both investors and public companies uh better understand their impact and to help um, I think focus, try to focus capital uh, on, uh, in, in areas that are going to, you know, have a bigger impact on sustainable development. Mm. And yeah. one of the things you brought up was around climate change. And, and so what have you seen in the areas of, is that the, is that the biggest need of the times looking at, you know, what people can do around solutions around climate change? Or is there other sustainable goals that you think is a higher priority to focus on? Um, well, for investors and, and, and uh, you know, I think climate is probably the biggest. Yes. Mm. Um, other sustainable development goals are crucial and important. I mean, there, there's goals related to how we use water and other natural resources, which are clearly relevant. There's a whole lot of goals that are related to, um, you know, ending poverty and improving inequality and those sorts of things as well. So lots of admirable goals. Um, but I think as they relate to um, investing, that certainly climate goals are, you know, maybe first among equals right now. Yeah. And, and you know, and one of the things that we're seeing that, that's, that, that's happening in the kind of sustainable investment space is that um, uh, companies are increasingly, I mean, it's, it's been kind of amazing just in the past year or so and in, in um, in response to the last, uh, uh, climate meeting in, in, uh, uh, Scotland last, last November, uh, a lot of companies are making net zero commitments and a lot of asset managers are making net zero commitments. Well, what does that mean? Well, there, it means that they're, they're, they're saying they're making the claim that their operations and the impact of their, uh, the use of their products and services will, uh, be net zero carbon emissions by 2050 as per, you know, the, the goals of the Paris agreement and in an, on an interim basis, although this is a much more difficult thing to commit to, um, to, to reduce their carbon emissions by 50% by 2030. Um, so there's a lot of commitments being made. Asset managers are making the commitments and public companies are making the commitments. It's very interesting. Like, how is it going to actually happen? A lot of public companies kind of have no idea exactly how they're going to do it. I think it's important. So a lot of it's easy to go, ah, greenwashing. This is a terrible, you know, well, this is not good. But I think it, it is a positive right now because you make that you got to get yourself out there to make the commitment in order to really press um, yourself to follow through on it, you mm -hmm. know. And so who's going to help? Who's going to help? uh public companies follow through on it well eventually hopefully policymakers will but you know how <laughs> can we really count on that um you know policymakers tend to be you know politicians especially in you know democratic regimes tend to be pretty short-term focused and it's very difficult as we can see in the united states to get real action done on climate so who's going to try to hold um companies to their net zero commitments and keep them moving towards them, it's going to be sustainable investors. Mm. And so 
um, and, and or if you think about asset managers as being those like, well, we've made we're making commitments for net zero in our portfolios by 2050. What does that mean? It means well, we're going to be investing only in companies that themselves are achieving net zero. How are we going to do that? Well, in the meantime, we're going to press those companies to continue to, you know, elaborate on their commitments to figure out this, this, you know, existential problem of uh, how to reduce their carbon emissions to net zero. So I think it's a, it's a great issue to, um, to, to help all of us understand the like crucial role that investing in general will play in this, but sustainable investing is that you know that mm. part of the broader investment context that's really focused on this got it so so if by by the way one of the best ways to motivate these companies is to say this is where the investment dollars are focusing on because this is what we we're going to vote with our dollar right whether it's whether it's buying products or whether it's investing in companies but making sure that we say okay these are our standards and this is what the companies will then follow because the money is the one that's going to be supporting it um and in that vein of what we're talking about, right, with that investment, like, what have you seen as common trends of trying to tackle this uh, climate change or patterns? Have you seen a lot of companies in this in the space popping up around AI or the metaverse or uh, NFTs? Yeah. Insert the thing that you want to insert. What have you seen as common patterns um, and companies trying to say, you know, uh, this is what we stand for, and this is this is the new technology we're using to try to affect change. Uh, well, to to some degree, all of those things are are of interest to companies that are that are trying to figure this out. I mean, I think you got to separate it into two two types of two broad types of companies. One is just companies who are, you know, making products and services that don't directly have really anything to do with, you know. Um, uh, solving the problems of climate change or making us more resilient against the effects of climate change, but they're just companies that are doing business. They're humongous entities and um, they need to reduce their emissions because they're big emitters, you know? And so, um, you know, they've got to figure out how to do it. They've got to, you know, I think a lot of, of that is, is them pursuing commitments and creating the demand for renewable energy as just a big and pretty easy to understand, you know, uh, 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 approach. Um, and also then just, uh, you know, dealing with, it depends on the, on the company and kind of the products and services that mm -hmm. they use, but, you know, being more and more, uh, energy efficient in the way that you make products and, and, and the way that they're used, uh, is crucially important. The other thing is that, uh, I mentioned supply chains earlier and, um, you know, the larger the company and the, the, the bigger its supply chain, the more it can drive change throughout its supply chain. You know, it's funny that partly because uh, Walmart, partly because of its um, it's uh, not great uh, history of labor relations has has often been seen as kind of a you know, a negative for sustainable investors or back in the day, right? When I talked about SRI back uh, uh, and, and not having a lot of real data, but just kind of more impressionistic views, you know, Walmart wasn't considered to be a, a very, a very good, uh, you know, actor, I guess I would say among responsible investors. But today, you know, Walmart and their environmental sustainability policies are extremely, uh, uh, influential because of the 
its of its supply chain and their influence over their supply chain. I mean, if you want to do business with Walmart, you have to meet a set of environmental <clears throat> standards that uh, are you know pretty stiff. So um, that that's a way that a lot of big companies are ha making a, a greater impact as well. Um, but then you've got this other type of company, and those are the ones that are like uh, making uh, th that are that are gonna be creating the solutions really to, you know, to climate resilience, uh, uh, and, 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 you know, what we're going to do, uh, in a, how we're going to operate a low carbon e economy. And the way that I think investors can help a lot with that is to invest in those kind of companies. And, and it's been difficult to do because, um, the way that, uh, we're typically told as investors, uh, how to allocate our assets, um, there's there was there's no um, established allocation for climate solutions. Let's just call them. You know that's considered a thematic investment. Um, that in a in a well allocated portfolio that maybe a typical individual has or many institutional investors would have as well. That's considered kind of a secondary or kind of a satellite investment around all your other investments. And so it's kind of unclear to investors how to invest and how much to invest in climate solutions. That's something that the asset management industry, you know, all, you know, really almost literally as we speak is trying to better address. Uh, and so just in the last year or so, we've seen um, really dozens of, uh, of funds, for instance, that would be available public, you know, to, to retail investors, individual investors uh, that focus on climate solutions and really are trying to drive more capital to, you know, these companies that are really creating products and services that will make a key difference in, in our ability to, to transition. Also, private uh, investments, private equity, um, the, you know, the, the, that's the province of, you know, institutional investors and pretty uh, and, and high net worth individual investors. But but that's also an area where there's a, there's an increased focus on on, you know, identifying uh, climate solutions, meaning companies that are making the products and, and that, that will uh, help us uh, make the transition to a, a, a low carbon economy and getting the capital to them. Nice. And with the climate solutions you know, startups or companies that are really going along this path, um, do you want to talk about just have you seen any technology that that has you be hopeful for the future for some of these climate solutions? Is there anything that you've seen that have been innovative that have come out that make you go, oh wow, that's that's that that's uh, that gives me something to really um, to say if this technology is wider spread, we could have a, a drastic impact on us. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I'd almost like to answer almost the opposite that like the, the like the one major, the, the one major I want technology. A magic pill. Give me yeah, a magic pill. Right. Don't, don't tell me diet and exercise or climate change. I want to. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So, so, the, you know, there, there's this, there's this um, faith in technology, right? That is out there. I mean, yeah. the, the, the technology is ultimately going to, going to solve the issue right and maybe it will the the one that i get concerned about being overhyped is carbon capture technology now i'm not a the a, a sort of uh, climate solutions expert from a 
from a science standpoint, but um, everything that I've read about it, me, it says that it's very, very expensive and just unlikely to be the kind of solution that we think it is. So um, carbon capture, I think, I mean, on balance, it's, it's, it's still worth looking into, but I'm just not, I'm concerned about like putting eggs in that basket with this kind of uh, underlying faith in technology and that we'll find, we'll figure out a way to like inject all that carbon somehow deep uh, down uh, underneath. And I think the more that most of the solutions are a bit more, um, you know, prosaic. They're, they're things like uh, reforestation and, 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 and reform of uh, agriculture and, um, uh, certainly ongoing development of renewable energy at levels that, um, you know, we've are taking off already, but, uh, uh, you know, are being, are being sort of, uh, countered to some degree by continued fossil fuel investment, um, mm -hmm. electric vehicles, you know, battery technology is going to be extremely important. Um, but a lot of it is, uh, like I said, it's pretty prosaic. A lot of it is like, how do we get, uh, uh, EV, uh, uh, charging stations, you know, networked in a way that will, will really unleash consumer demand for electric vehicles. Um, you know, how do we, uh, uh you know, how do we scale up, uh, renewable energy, uh, you know, utilities to, to, uh, continue the transition away from, uh, fossil fuels. Mm, that makes sense. So then what you're, what you're saying is, I mean, it makes sense. Carbon capture. One of the concerns being is that you can capture it and then you can go and resell it and then just go burn it <laughs> and kind of complete that cycle of carbon capture. But we're saying it's like, what are, what are some of these, what are the cornerstone problems that if we could fix maybe a, a network or an infrastructure, say network or infrastructure of, of the cars, of the charging station, of the batteries, something that would allow us to, to make, these green solutions more ubiquitous, something that allows us to kind of spread this across would be of great benefit. If if these are some of the things that you're, you're talking about, looking at reforestation, right, which is, you know, it's one of the natural ways that we could have for, for climate change. Um, what do you think when, what makes for a, a good investment from a, from a, a, you know, environmental social criteria standpoint, what is something that would, you know, I'm looking for, you know, what are common pitfalls, pitfalls that people face trying to raise investment for this? And what are things that actually make for real good investments in this space? <clears throat> well, I, you know, I think uh, a, a couple of things, if, so, if somebody's looking at this from, you know, as, from the perspective of an investor and uh, say an individual investor, um, you know, you, you're an investor, not, in many ways, not by choice. I mean, a lot of those of us that are that are fortunate enough to to have money to invest, it's not just play money, right? It's it's money that you need to help you reach your financial goals in life, and really, for a lot of for most um, even large institutional investors, that's what they need to do as well. They need to kind of create uh, investment returns that are going to help them meet their financial uh, goals kind of in perpetuity. Um, so the first thing is that you you cannot concede returns, right? You, you, you can't say, well, I'm just doing this out of the goodness of my heart um, because you know you're not you're, you're not going to reach your financial goals as an investor if if uh, if you do that. So 
that's that's kind of problem number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then problem number two is like, well, um, how do I assess and evaluate uh, how uh, impactful any given investment that I make, especially as an individual investor, uh, actually has? What kind of difference does it make? Um, and so those those are like the problems I think with I think with um, the more pointed um, you know and, and uh, you know your question was a little bit more m- maybe aimed this way is like how do you um, assess what a good uh, like investment in carbon or in uh, climate solutions would be mm-hmm. uh, you know and that is like well uh, we have a number of um, uh, asset managers out there that now are offering investment products to address climate solutions and you know, uh, the, 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 you need to kind of figure out where, where they're coming from, what their objectives are. And, and, you know, we'll see, uh, how they do. A lot of this stuff is, is kind of early stages as far as proof of concept as an investment. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see, I think it's, it's uh, prudent if someone is, is, um, uh, interest, you know, interested, concerned, wants to do something about climate change through their investments that investing, um, you know, a sleeve of their portfolio in climate solutions is, is a good idea, but an even maybe better idea is to make sure that your entire portfolio is kind of activated towards sustainable investing. So that means all of your just broad based exposure to, you know, large cap companies in the U.S. and maybe for uh, non-U.S. and mm-hmm. your bond exposure and things like that are fo- focused around general sustainability principles. Because um, the the key thing that you can accomplish with that is that you're adding your you know two cents worth, hopefully more than that, but you're adding your two cents worth to the shareholder base of all these companies who are getting this message. It's a signaling device. They're getting this message that investors are concerned about this and they want us to do our part to address it. Mm. Got it. So it's, it's voting with the dollars. But one of the things that you said, the biggest issues is, is you can't concede returns, which basically means it needs to be profitable. It's got to be able to make money for the investor at the end of the day. Otherwise, it's not sustainable for them to continue their investment. Right. So is this a, is this a profitable investment and does this have an impact in the area that that matters? And, and will how will the dollars that I invest be spent in a way that actually I, I can know with certainty that my investment is making some sort of impact, right? Both to myself financially and to society at large. So is is and so and that is when people are looking at that with the criteria do they have you have this checklist of criteria that you go like because i know there's a bunch of different sectors so depending on the business right you know if they're a, a product business and they've got physical goods that's one kind if they're an online uh digital informational product that's a different kinds of assets right so you have mm-hmm. criteria that allow people to kind of review based upon those categories on whether or not and based upon that industry if mm-hmm. these if this company is technically one that's doing its part in this, because I imagine it'd be different for a digital product as it would be for a physical product. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and literally we have, I mean, really on the risk and opportunity side, we have, we're a little more um, advanced on that than, than on the impact side, but generally speaking, yes, think of it in terms of industry by industry. What are the particular material ESG risks uh, that this industry faces? What opportunities does it have in terms of, um, you know, sustainability solutions that, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, this industry might create. 
Um, and then on broader impact, you know, what are the what are the positive and or, and or negative externalities that are created from this uh, industry and from major companies that are operating within this industry? And that kind of criteria, it all kind of go. It, it ends up all going hand in hand because what's happening today is that more and more people. I, I guess I would strip it down almost to this, um, and, and that is that more and more people today are concerned about sustainability and you know however you define it it's a, it's one of these terms that's maybe not that precisely defined or even maybe definable but i think there's kind of this sustainability ethos that a lot of people have today which is about um you know making decisions in ways that aren't just about my own sh selfish interest that, that they take into account um other affected you know, stakeholders, they take into effect the, you know, future stakeholders, they take into effect the planet. Let's make decisions this way that are, that are long-term, that, that, that take into account an extended sphere of, of affected parties, right? Rather mm -hmm. than I'm only going to make short-term decisions in my own self-interest. And so I think a lot of people particularly, I mean, I notice that younger people, you look at universities today and there's all these sustainability programs that are, are out there. And, you know, I know at Morningstar, uh, I mean, it seems like every single person that we uh, hire that's recently graduated from college is interested in sustainability and sustainable investing uh, as opposed to sort of traditional investing. So, I, I mean, I take that as a really positive thing. But when you think about it, uh, these folks are making, you know, they, they want to make decisions with a sustainability um you know, lens on those decisions, whether it's as consumers, whether it's as, um, you know, in their careers, deciding how they're going to spend their careers, how they, what their lifestyle is, uh, you know, politically. So it only makes sense that they also are going to want to do that as investors, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just kind of this broad, I think, sustainability ethos. And it, it also then from an investors, from an investment standpoint, you've got, um, all these companies out there who they're looking at the same things. They're saying, Hmm, our customers want us to be more sustainable. Our workforce. I mean, in order for us to attract the a talented and, and dedicated workforce that likes working here, they want us to be more sustainable. Now, geez, we used to think that investors were the last holdout, but now we see that our investment base seems to have an increasing number of sustainable investors in it. Or if it doesn't, we're getting, you know, complaints uh, about, you know, the fact that, you know, from investors that, you know, we can't invest in you because you have these, you know, terrible record on uh, how you manage your ESG risks or something like that. So, it, you know, it's, it's all a big, it's all interrelated. And, um, we're seeing today, just in the last, I would say, two years, companies uh, have a, a, a huge amount of ESG initiatives going on. Um, companies that you would think, really, <laughs> this company is concerned about sustainability. I mean, every single one. You, I, I, I would challenge anyone to go out and look at, say, companies in the S&P 500 and, and find a company that, like, could care less about sustainability and ESG today. It just isn't it, there. There's there aren't any, and it's amazing because five years ago that was not the case. Five years ago, I'd have companies calling me and saying, "Wait, what is 
ESG stand for exactly? You know, what, what what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So it's been a real sea change. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm not sure that we could point to the overall, like, you know, performance of capitalism and say, oh, it's doing so much better now, or we now have sustainable capitalism. It's early, early days, but um, it's definitely, a, a, you know, I think a positive trend. So the, so the interest is there and it's kind of the sign of the times that, I mean, the, the, the younger generations are trying to find something that has more depth and more meaning. I mean, we had this thing, the Great Recession resignation where people are kind of resigning, trying to find something that has more meaning and more impact. But it seems yeah. like we're trying to find that balance between, you know, um, you know, uh, profit and purpose. And, and how does that all sync together um, so that we can kind of have something that's more more meaningful if people wanted to educate themselves on if companies want to educate themselves on you know uh, how to become more sustainable and what does it look like and and where to get started and all that stuff do you have any recommendations for places books to read things to do um well there's uh, you know if if you're talking about an individual investor for instance i mean mm-hmm. just i will tout what we do at morningstar we have on morningstar.com we we cover a lot of topics on sustainable investing from kind of how to's to 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 more sophisticated topics um and uh i i you know i have a i have a blog on medium called the sg advisor uh that that i you know, try to make uh, helpful on a regular basis, but there is, there is a, there's a lot of information out there. It's almost too much. It's almost like you start wading into it and you might be thinking, Oh my God, how do I, how am I going to get out from, from under all this, uh, all this information on it? So that's how, what I would suggest there. I mean, you know, uh, companies, I think it's really important for startup companies today to, to think about like, what are the sustainability issues that we're going to face if we're going to be successful? How do we, how are we going to, um, combine, uh, profit and purpose. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some great, there's some great, um, books out there. Uh, one by, uh, Paul Pullman and Andrew Winston, mm-hmm. um, that's mm-hmm. just out, um, called, um, something like profit and purpose. I can't, uh, I'll think of it in a, in a second. Um, um, uh, Paul Pullman, he, is it courageous companies. It's called net positive, net positive, net positive. Right. And it's basically a book about, you know, how you can, uh, how a, a company can really, instead of saying net zero, there is a play on net zero, uh, carbon emissions saying, you know, let's move from net zero to how we can be net positive on, you know, who we are as a company and, and our impact. It's a, it's a good read for, for anyone who's interested in this topic. Um, the uh, on the other hand, there's a book out by uh, David Gellis, um, who's a New York Times reporter, business mm-hmm. reporter called um, um, the oh, my uh, the man who broke capitalism, I think it, it's called. Um, and it's about Jack Welsh, who was the uh, who ran GE um, in the 90s and 2000s and it's kind of an alternative it's like saying this is what's wrong with capitalism this is shareholder primacy this is let's run everything in uh, as as ruthlessly um efficiently as possible so that we can reward shareholders every single quarter and forget about how 
you know, our broader impact on society or on our workers or our customers. Let's just reward shareholders. And this is kind of what this whole sustainability, you know, ethos is is really um, countering today. We're, we're getting ready. You, you sometimes hear the term stakeholder capitalism, and that's kind of what that refers to as a evolution away from this this uh, shareholder primacy version of capitalism, very libertarian and kind of its basic views of how, of, of, of you know, uh, the way uh, the economy should work and the way companies ought to work within them. They should be, you know, everything's fair game as long as it's legal um, to stakeholder capitalism and sustainability, which is all about profit and purpose, all about, you know, ha uh, um, adding these like sustainability, the sustainability ethos onto your decision making, all about yeah. taking care of all stakeholders and figuring out how to embed this into your corporate strategy over the long term in a way that will be profitable. Uh, but it will also be uh, net positive uh, to the to people and planet. Got it. And I think the book you're looking at, because I, I, I Googled it here off to the side, it says The Man Who Broke Capitalism, How Jack Welch Gutted the Heartland and Crushed the Soul of Corporate America and How to Undo His Legacy. Um, yeah. that's, that's quite a that's that's quite a title. You can see why I didn't have it memorized. Yeah, but, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. I just want to call it out in case anybody, yeah, anybody yeah. looks for it. The uh, but looking at that from the perspective, you said you said, this is something to be aware of, um, whether it's startups or companies, they start to understand, OK, what is it? The, what are the values of that company right and how do they how do they put procedures sops and things in place so that they can really um stand behind what they believe in right and and is now this is one book that would kind of give us some insights but there's other ways that you could kind of dive in of you know how does how does a company start to identify you know what their values are and, and what things they can put in place for that so if they're from a from perspective of going okay we want to move in this direction but we don't know how what are those like one, two, three steps to make that happen? Well, you know, I think one one thing is to keep um, purpose front and center always. What is the mission of this company, and what is its what is its purpose? How are we going to help people and and improve their lives? And you know, I think a lot of companies have that as in the beginning. That, you know, it's one that they want to do in the beginning and profit is kind of, yeah, we want to make profit because we want to live. It's like we need the air to breathe, but that's not the purpose of our life, you know, and, and, but what can happen in the, in the process of, you know, um, gathering capital, getting your investors together and all that is that the focus can shift to how are you going to make money? How soon are you going to make money? We need to get our, you know, we need to, to get this thing capitalized so we can get in and out of it. And so I think, again, here is where investors, private equity investors play a crucial role and, and that their view has to, has to change as well. They need to become more sustainable investors. I wrote something about this uh, a few months ago and, and in looking at what's happening in that space, we're seeing that happen. You know, we're seeing more. Uh, private equity investors saying, yes, we get it. We can't, you know, we can't only focus on, you know, generating a profitable enterprise here. It needs to be sustainable from the beginning. It's easier than getting big and then trying to have to retrofit sustainability onto something that's not, you know, been well practiced. So I, I think not losing sight 
of it and trying to even find of your purpose and trying to find investors, even if you have to go back and forth with them or try to try to, you know, uh, you know, attract investors, uh, early stage investors who themselves understand this whole concept of uh, of sustainability um, mm. is, is, a, is 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 really key. Yeah, I mean, one thing is, is with the, the the contradiction in in infinite growth and sustainability, right? There there seems to be uh, uh, at odds with each other that you want to be in to earn returns and earn a uh, a healthy return, but at the same time, if you're looking for sustainability, sustainability is about finding an equilibrium in the environment or inside the in society society versus just domination of something, right? So how do those two coexist? And how would you say, cause you talk about they have to shift their, whether they're PEs, private equities or angels or whatever it might be, um, they have to shift their mentality. They still want to return, but how does that, if they're looking for sustainability, what what needs to shift for them? Well, I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's this question of, of it, it can't, go on this way right the, the 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 sort of idea of infinite growth um you know kind of depends on this this notion i guess when it, when you get all the way back to basics of unlimited resources and sustainability is i think a recognition of limits yes and that um if we continue to not recognize that in the way that we that we um run businesses then you know we'll get to a crisis way more quickly than than maybe we otherwise would or can or won't be able to avert crisis which you know we're pretty close to that right now with climate right and so so it's really like there's no choice you know but to embed sustainability principles into business models because mm -hmm. you're you know a, a, a company starting out today wants to you know it wants to be operating and profitable and presumably contributing positively to society in by 2050 when the entire world needs to be at net zero i mean there's there, there's there's almost it's no choice so so you're looking ahead by by and it's and it's hard i mean this idea of embedding sustainability into a into a business model and this is a lot of what the net positive book is about mm -hmm. and and it's about and, and 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 a lot about what the Jack Welsh book is sort of the opposite <laughs> of is it's very hard. A lot of people don't really know how to do it, right? It's mm -hmm. your people. We have all these sustainability sort of pioneers right now um, trying it, but um, uh, you know the idea is that you know you have uh, you're 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 sort of going in some ways you're going back to the way capitalism was practiced prior to the past 40 or 50 years when it wasn't all about shareholder primacy. It was about things like developing your workers over the course of a career and paying attention to them. It was about being connected to communities. So it's not, you know, some of these sustainability principles and things that I think are going to be required to have a healthy economy and to have healthy companies working within that and profitable companies working within it. It's not, uh, you know, something that's that we need to create completely out of whole cloth, but something that, you know, there were elements of before, even during a time when we didn't really recognize limits to growth. Um, it was still just, you know, a way of just a more kind of humane way to, to run companies. Right. And so 
um, elements of it were there. Uh, um, uh, I, I think a, a lot of companies will be able to to do this. A lot of them are 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 um, making the transition literally as we speak, even though they're in the very early innings yeah. uh, today. It's almost like uh, kind of remembering our sustainable roots as companies, right? That it's not about infinite growth; it's about finding some sort of equilibrium balance. Um, you know, at the, at the same time, we still need to make it a profitable business, but it's about remembering that there's more so than just more than just the gains, more than the capitalistic gains. There's there's something beyond that because we we kind of now need to sign of the times, 2050, uh, climate change, and all that. Um, you. Yeah. You've, you've put a lot of time, I mean, you've been kind of waving the flag of these, um, you know, sustainable impact investments or these uh, ESCs. Um, when you look at this and all the effort in the, and, and you've been doing this for a long time now, um, what is, well, I would say, what is your holy grail? Like, what is your flag that you hope to plant at the top of the mountain through all of this effort, all this time, all this promotions, all the, all the things that you're doing um, to being this resource to people? Uh, do you have a holy flag? A holy flag, a holy grail, flag in the sand that you hope to achieve with all the effort that you do. Well, I I'd like to see um, uh, you know more and more um, investors embrace sustainability and 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 uh, you know invest in ways that reflect their sustainability um, views that they have uh, because I think we're still early on that. I think there's a lot more. Uh, money that could be invested this way. Um, but people are, you know, people don't just immediately go out and change their investments when they hear about a new idea. <laughs> they have to wait, you know, it's going to take a while. So I think we're in the early stages. I would like to see it um, uh, grow uh, enormously because I think, uh, uh, you know, it will usher in this, this um, idea of sustainable capitalism that we need to to address issues like climate change, but also uh, inequality and and uh, lots of other issues that the the world faces, and it is possible that um, you know capitalism has created a lot of problems in the way it's been practiced in the 20th century, and um, in the 21st century, I think it needs to focus uh, more on solutions um, because right now I don't think that the countervailing powers like uh, government and policymakers are necessarily up to the task. I think it's an all hands on deck situation. So um, I want to see it to continue to grow. It's under some attack right now from uh, right wing politicians in the U S um, uh, from some traditionalist investors who, you know, think, wow, we shouldn't be worried about these extra things. All we need to do is like really focus on profit, like maybe make no changes at all in what traditional investments like. And there's still a lot of money invested that way. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think we still need to push forward uh, uh, to, to a time when um, everyone who uh, would like to be uh, invested in a sustainable way are is actually invested that way, both in their personal accounts and in their retirement accounts and pension funds and and uh, all the all the ways that uh, money's being invested uh, on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And got it. So then, so really, it's about kind of just expanding the awareness for investors to make investments and kind of shift their beliefs to match their dollar spend 
and say, okay, this is my belief. This is, I want to invest in more sustainable goods and this is doing to actually get them to take that action. If that, if that's the goal of, of, around the awareness, like for, for you personally, what is what I'd say, what is the dragon? What is the thing that in order for you to achieve that goal with creating that, getting these investors to take these brave steps forward, what is the dragon you need to overcome to make that possible? Well, uh, you know, I, I think it's the, 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 I think what we're seeing, you know, here is it's, it's a paradigm shift, you know, away from the traditional way of investing and the focus on shareholder primacy to sustainability and, um, and stakeholder capitalism and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and people who have made their careers and reputation and money in, uh, in an old paradigm are very, uh, you know, uh, very vociferous in their defense of that paradigm. And, um, so right now I feel like I'm, I'm, my concern is that that's going to combine with, uh, and to kind of jump over into the political sphere and join forces with politicians who are, uh, climate deniers essentially, uh, and who are, um, you know, uh, 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 supporters of continued fossil fuel exploration and use and that, that, you know, those forces have been very powerful, uh, over the last century and they're not gonna, they're not gonna give up their power and influence without, uh, a fight. Yeah. And so that's, that's the, 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 the dragon that needs to be slayed is the, the, that of fossil fuel interests and the politicians that, that, um, you know, that, 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 that work for them. That makes me think of what I was saying. It, it's, uh, it's difficult to make a man understand something that his paycheck doesn't allow him to understand, you know? Yeah. So you're talking about, so a lot of these, it's these, it's the people that are having monetary benefits from these fossil fuels and these other things that kind of go and you have this entrenched beliefs to versus the sustainable goals. Um, that's awesome. And that, I mean, it makes it makes a ton of sense around that. Uh, I mean, with, I mean, with all that being said, um, you know, uh, is there any, uh, any like last pieces of advice you would give to either investors or to, uh, business builders in this space, um, for them to be able to kind of take action and move forward? So I think for invest, I mean, one of the things I want to say, uh, I guess about investors and why this is, a, a, you know, a good idea for investors beyond the, the impact uh, and the need to accomplish all these things is a lot of times you'll hear traditionalist investors say to people, especially, you know, individuals, they'll say, don't risk this. You know, sometimes these funds cost you more money or sometimes, you're, you know, ultimately they're not going to return as, uh, as well as, as, as a traditional investment. And I think the kicker for this is that not only are you investing in ways that will help make a difference, and let's just, we do need to be clear about one thing. You know, sustainable, when we talk about sustainable investments, they're investments first. They're not a, a way to, it's not social activism per se. It doesn't mean they don't have impact because we've talked about the kind of impact they can have, but it's basically an investment. And so as an investor, you, you're basically, purchasing, when you purchase a fund or an ETF, you're purchasing an investment product and, and, and you've decided that, um, 
you want the sustainable version of this investment product, right? Um, what does an investment product bring you? It brings you the kind of utilitarian benefit of investment returns. You need those returns in order to reach your financial goals. But um, a sustainable investment to someone that cares about these things, it's also bringing them positive, what I would call expressive benefits and emotional benefits. By investing sustainable, it expresses who you are and it makes you feel good about yourself and about the decisions that you make in your life. So those are important and, and they might seem kind of intangible that they're important benefits that you get from sustainable investing as a person. And what would be the import of that? Well, I think that it helps sustainable investors be better investors over the long run, stay the course during a bear market, for instance, when a lot of investors go, oh, I have no connection with these investments. They're losing money. I'm out. Pull. That doesn't help you over the long term, typically, to try to time the market. Sustainable investors have not um, uh, 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 taken as much money out proportionally uh, from their investments this year as investors overall have. Sustainable investing flows into funds have held up better. And I think the reason why is because as an investor, it helps you because you're connected with your investments. You understand that they have a meaning beyond just the, the utilitarian benefit of your own profits. Um, and you hold on to that and you don't want to just ditch them at the first sign of, of, uh, uh, of problems. So I think it not only helps people and planet, it actually helps sustainable investors be better long-term oriented investors. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause it creates a, it creates a meaning and a connection beyond just the profit. You're still there for the profit, but what it is, is it allows you to, do you believe in it in the long term versus that short sighted, you know, the, the stock dipped or whatever happens. So I'm going to bounce out. And so it, it makes you actually in it for the long haul, which yep. ultimately gives you better returns. So exactly. that's awesome. Is there, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? Um, uh, you know, the only, the only other thing that we haven't specifically talked about that I do think is important to all this is, is the, you know, this, what is the mechanism by which, you know, we, when we signal as sustainable investors, we're signaling to companies, deal with your ESG issues, mm -hmm. think about your impact, but, but what's, the, is there any other kind of mechanism that this, that this operates through? And, um, there's one, uh, what I call active ownership or shareholder mm -hmm. engagement. And what's happening is that um, sustainable investors, mainly through their asset managers, sometimes through large institutional investors, are actively and directly engaging with companies about these issues. Um, and when companies might decide, well, interesting idea, but we're not going to do it, you can, you can propose shareholder resolutions at company meetings and shareholders can vote on these and we've had over the last several years record numbers of shareholder resolutions related to esg issues that have been supported in greater numbers than ever by shareholders who vote on them and so that creates an a, a very direct mechanism and that's what uh, for change um and when you invest in a in a sustainable fund or etf M many of them, most of them have um, active shareholder engagement and proxy voting programs 
that, you know, really try to exert this influence directly on companies. And I think that's a really important thing. It certainly resonates with investors when they hear about it. But a lot of times, you know, we spent this time, this hour, we didn't, we didn't uh, get to that topic, but, but um, I, I should have raised it earlier, but I think that's a great last thing to think of. That's one of the things that you're doing when you're, yeah. when you're investing in a sustainable uh, fund is uh, you're le lending your voice to that direct engagement efforts and the proxy voting that could could result uh, uh, in favor of uh, ESG resolutions that companies then, you know, have to address in some way. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. So bubbling it up from the shareholders perspective to say, okay, this is a resolution for something that we need to tackle. And so by, by investing in it, you can kind of weigh in on that and whether it's doing the proxy votings or whatever it might be to be able to say, these are the critical issues that we should talk about and we should vote on because this matters. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Great. And uh, John, if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to find out more about what you do um, and the areas that you can help them, um, how would they, how would they do that? Um, well, so different ways. I mean, I, I'm on um, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I've got a Twitter handle at John F. Hale um, and uh, Medium blog, the ESG advisor. And uh, I also write uh, about once a week on Morningstar.com. So quite a few ways. Yeah, that's how I found you. I had, I had a bunch of great content. I was like, oh, okay, I got to have this guy on and share yeah. some of the messages. So thank you so much, John. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been excellent talking with you. Thank you for sharing lessons, stories, and insights. Um, I appreciate your time. Have a blessed and beautiful day, and I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, thanks, man. You care now. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, Tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.